Hey, welcome to episode 17 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alex the Assassinato Fitzgerald. Uh, how are you, Alex? I'm good, Barry. Happy to be doing this again. Yeah, so uh, you're in Costa Rica just now, and since it's World Cup time, we'll talk about Costa Rica for a little bit. The team, they had a great <laughs> result against Uruguay the other night. Yeah, that was pretty... Uh, <laughs> no, the Costa Ricans didn't even expect it. They were all cheering, but it was kind of like, oh, it's good we got in there. But yeah, that was a that was a fun game to watch, man. I've never been in a Central American or South American country when their team's in the World Cup. It, you know, when they score a goal, like you can hear cars honking for like 20 miles. <laughs> and, you know, like everybody's just rushing the streets and everything. And the like the quote unquote ghetto mall was just swarmed with people watching yeah. it on, a, what do you say, CCTV? And it, yeah, and it was it was cool, man. It was really cool. I've never been around anything like that. Yeah, it's, it seems a carnival atmosphere, like yeah. with it being in Brazil and stuff as well. And they they played really well. I mean, like yeah, they're, in, they're in the same group as England, and everybody thought, all right, it's between England, Uruguay, you know, for second spot with Italy. But uh, Costa Rica played really well. Kind of like created a lot of chances and stuff, and. I don't think England will easily walk them over, and you know they probably no. give Italy a game as well. So it's that's an interesting group now. No, uh, yeah, and it was like uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, sweet fuck all about football, just being American. But I was just noticing, I was like, I think if you have the goalkeeper not even trying to like catch your shot like I think you really created an opportunity and they did that twice like he was just like oh shit you know like oh you caught me and then the goalkeeper for Costa Rica or whatever the goalie yeah he's like man that dude's nasty man like he never lets anything by he's like I think they ranked him like fourth in the world or something right I can't yeah. I can't remember but yeah it's uh it's becoming much more interesting it's yeah, a, and your your other home, uh, USA, won the other night as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Who, who gives a shit? They'll, they'll, they'll fuck it up. Like yeah. they're they're not they're not really good. It's one of those things. Like when USA wins something in uh, soccer, it's like, well, you know, we're we used to be like the grand power on earth. We probably should have figured out this global game. I don't know, thirty years ago. So it's like too little, too late. But when you know, you have a country like Costa Rica where it's like, I think you can fit like 20 Costa Ricas in Texas or mm. something like wow. that. Yeah, yeah. Or it's something. Or what, what, what is the population of Costa Rica? I have no idea. I'm not no. going to lie. I think it's 30 million people or something. No, hold on. Let me. I'm going to. I'm going to. You're Googling that. it. Yeah. You have yeah. To, <laughs> what I what I do now when I'm reading my books on uh, my Kindle, whenever a country name comes up, I always highlight it and I read the Merriam-Webster it's like less than it's less than Scotland, four point eight million. That's it. Yeah, oh, Costa Rica, four point eight. Oh yeah, million. I was thinking. I was thinking of all of Central America. Yeah, I overshot Scotland's that one. Like, Scotland's five and a half, I think, at the last count, five and a half million. Damn! Like I didn't wow, know. I, I didn't know that. I know you can drive from one end of the country to the other in like if you get good traffic, like six hours. And right. what I. When I was living in South Korea, you could drive three hours and not get out of Seoul. So that always kind of, you know, gave me perspective on the size. And uh, what was I? No, the, what I do now, if it, anybody has a Kindle, every time you see, like, a country, 
like highlight the country and read the definition. It'll tell you the population, the languages they speak, you know, in like two paragraphs of history for like every country, which really is about all you need to be, well, more than an American you know, yeah. and I'm, and so I've been doing that, but yeah, Costa Rica hasn't popped up in any novel or anything, so I had just, no just, idea. Just totally off topic there as well. I've, I read a lot, and I've got tons of books, and I like the hard copy and stuff like that, but I've got the Kindle app on my iPhone, and I started buying some things that were Kindle only, you know, and reading it on my phone and stuff, and actually, it's not too bad on my phone, but I was thinking about getting a Kindle. What What's your thoughts on that? Are they just like a must-buy, or...? My Kindle is my baby. I'm on that thing for two hours, four hours a day. And by the way, I'm not surprised you're a self-made person and you read a lot. <laughs> like, that doesn't... I mean, I, you know, like, I love, like, really crappy TV, too. And I love, like, really crappy American food, too. But I don't eat it every day. You know what I mean? And it's uh -huh. like, if you want to, like, you want to do something for yourself, like you've done, I think you've got to read and educate yourself. And, yeah, the Kindle's an amazing... Uh, the the Kindle's an amazing resource because, well, one, if you want to steal books, you can steal thousands and thousands, but I would never recommend that you go to Terence.to and look up a book name. No, 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 I would never recommend that. But no, I mean, I probably buy more books than I've ever bought in my life just because of how easy it is. And yeah. Amazon makes it super easy and... It, it's uh well it's a, the thing I love is you can if you buy the book you can highlight parts of the book and then Amazon will save your highlights and upload it to their uh their website so you can go into amazon.kindle.com and then you'll have all your notes from a particular book so like when I'm writing a lecture or I see something like ooh that'd be a cool idea for an article I put it there or if it's just you know, I'm sure you've read a book like years ago and then you just can't remember anything from it after yeah. a while. Well, what I'll do is like I'll read a book that was interesting and then occasionally when I'm just, you know, I something comes up in my mind about that book, I'll just read over my notes. My notes take me five minutes to read and it's like I read the book yesterday. Yeah, it'll it jog everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of everything. And then I, I feel when I write now like more thoughts are coalescing and I, I it's – yeah, I, I would recommend splurging and getting the really big Kindle Fire because it's just gorgeous. I got my mother the Kindle Paperwhite, but I don't like reading on it. She brought it here, and I don't like reading on it as much. And it, But, yeah, the uh, the Kindle Fire is really dope. And, yeah, it's never been easier to send books to people and all that stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I've been thinking about getting one for a while, so I probably will just get one. Um, okay, that's the Amazon advertising. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Right, they need it. So uh, that's, we need to set up like an affiliate link with them. <laughs> the funniest to... thing was we were talking about Amazon before the show, too. Like, yeah, in, 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 on a much more negative note, which we won't repeat here. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. they are so big now. I mean, they are the Walmart online, really. Exactly, too. exactly, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, plugs and get in touch with us etc. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com that's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R D-O-T-C-O-M and join the Facebook group for free facebook.com slash group slash oneouter and you can join in that and I'll post things when the new podcasts are up. You can post questions for Alex to me etc. And uh, we'll obviously post details when Alex is running offers or if he's got anything for sale and that. Um, 
Alex the Scoop uh, deal, that's still on just now, is it? Uh, that's on eternally, but act now, because maybe I'll yep. raise the prices to $5,000 after I win yeah. the main event or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, um, so there's details of that in the last podcast page, and I'll put it on the blog post for this one on oneouter.com as well, how you can get in touch with Alex. Is there anything else you're plugging just now, Alex? And how can No, nah, that's it. I, I have a new webinar I'm going to be doing. Uh, it, it seems like it's pretty hard for anybody to attend a webinar while uh, the World Series is going on, so it's just going to be a downloadable video. But, uh, yeah, if you want to... Uh, Everybody, if you could do me a favor and write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com, it'll be a favor to you guys as well. I send all my, all my articles come out on random different magazines and random different sites and stuff like that, and you, also my own blog. What we do with that, if you write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com, I'll put you on a mailing list. I did have an official like mailing list link set up, but I got it shut down because apparently gambling-related mailing lists get blocked constantly or something. You know, they let me spend five hours yeah. setting it up and paying for it before they shut it down, but it, which was awesome. But uh, or not five hours, I'm exaggerating, but like two. And uh, but yeah, if you write me there, I send you all my new articles, and I do send you like my new promotions and stuff. But if you just want to read everything that I write, you know, multiple strategy articles come out. It's a lot of stuff that the other pros don't want me talking about. It's uh, and it's a lot of fun, you know. That's kind of how we stay in touch and everything. And uh, yeah, check me check out my blog of weirder stuff on pokerheadrush.com. Check me out on Twitter at the assassinato, facebook.com slash assassinato. Uh, you can read my back articles at wptmag.com, WPT Academy, pocket fives and bluff.com. And yeah, uh, you're going to see all the information for my training videos. My friend asked me my, uh, I'll give you guys the full spiel right now. But really quickly, I always record myself when I play when I play online sessions. And my buddy was house sitting and he was watching my videos. And he was like, you know, you keep a lot of verbal notes while you play. I was really following your thought process. You should release these videos. So I said, okay, whatever. And for shits and giggles, I thought I'd do the entire scoop. And I thought maybe this would make me play better because I'd have to, you know, talk through every play. And I put an arbitrary price on it. A lot of people said do it for 250 or 300 I made it $50 because I want... I got a lot of respect for you Romanian grinders playing 20 NL, and that's not sarcasm. Like, I, you got to do what you got to do to get your money, and I wanted everybody to get it. And you guys came out in droves. I made a final table at the Scoop 500R. I took 15th in another tournament, cash in a 1K, all this fun stuff. And yeah, if, for 50 bucks, it's an immediate download. You can write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com if you want more details or just check the podcast link and it'll have, all you got to do is send $50 to one of the 80 different ways I write about there and then send me the proof of purchase and you'll get the videos within hours. That's it. And uh, as Alex says, I'll put full details of that uh, succinctly. So you can just do it and uh, get involved in that um, on oneouter.com on the blogs. Right. Um, you sounded yeah. really Scottish when you said succinctly. <laughs> I, could never, I could never pull that off and sound that cool. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so uh, now it's far from succinctly. Now we've tried this <laughs> So uh, we'll get straight to the questions on that note. Um, 
okay, we'll just deal with them as normal, uh, the way they come in. Chris Perkins, uh, can you talk about the red line in the podcast? Generally, just the importance of it and how to analyse it. Uh, can you also add on the importance between MTTs versus cash games? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but we'll add on to it. And speaking of adding on, uh, if you write me at assassinatorcoaching.gmail.com, I send you all my radio shows. I'm doing, I do guest spots on other radio shows. Don't worry, Barry. I'm not cheating on you. I, I, uh, <laughs> I do. You're gonna tell me about these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm pl- Don't worry. I'm plugging the shit out of OneOuter.com because this one's yeah. my baby. But I figured guest spots might get us some more listeners. But yeah. If you write me there, you'll get all the random free sessions like this where we answer questions. Now the red line. All right, now I've got to go to work. Red line's not that important in MTTs. I know a lot of guys who have a horrible red line, and they're fantastic at MTTs. MTTs, this is going well, to sound pretty bad coming – well, it's not – there's a lot of guys that aren't super talented as like complete poker players who really excel at MTTs. If you really analyze statistics like I do – and you really analyze who are the most consistent poker players, there's a, a lot of the guys who are a little more calm and uh, solid make a pretty good living at MTTs. The guy that came to my mind is B. Paris. B. Paris has been playing very solid poker for like eight, ten years. And he just, every year, he logs profits. And R.D. Carson, actually, R.D. Carson adapts a lot more than most people realize and i i've noticed but i don't think a lot of other people do but he uh he's generally a very solid player i don't think either of those guys could probably have like a huge red line i don't think they're winning a lot of pots without showdown I'm, they do win because here's the thing like if you do the red line and it's like okay so a guy loses a bunch of like meaningless pots at the beginning where he doesn't really have the goods right and then those guys kind of set people up to feel like, ooh, I can take a lot of chips from this guy now, right? And then they trap them for a huge pot with an actual, like, decent hand. Not an amazing hand, but a decent hand. Well, that's not going to show up on their red line, but they're going to be making a lot of final tables other people don't make. So I wouldn't worry about your red line too much in MTTs. I do have a decent red line in MTTs, but not, like, it's really hard to bluff people when you're playing with Monopoly money. You know what I mean? So it's not really, yeah. it, it, it's not really something you should be worrying about too much. Now, in cash games, uh, red line's a bit more important because with 100, you know, you guys are playing 100, 200 big blinds deep. There's a lot of room for making people fold. And if you really work with... Uh, Flopzilla and other Hold'em equity calculators, you're going to find there's a lot of times a guy doesn't really have that much on the river, and you should be working pretty hard on convincing that guy he doesn't have the best hand. And you should be launching some bluffs. Now, not a lot of bluffs. Now, again, this doesn't mean you need to be... I was... Probably the most money I've ever made at cash games in my life was when I was just in games with really bad players in playing like private games and playing on Russian websites and Malaysian websites. By the way, currency conversion with uh, whatever the hell they call that Malaysian currency, most frustrating thing in the world. But anyway, it's like that's where in most of those games, my red line was probably dreadful. You know what I mean? And uh, that was how I was getting – I sound so American. You know what I mean, man? 
But yeah, awesome. Like, yeah, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. There was a rap battle where a Canadian guy just every time this American finished, he would go, that was awesome. And I just <laughs> shit myself laughing every time. But yeah, it, it's uh, now I've completely lost my train of thought. I went on a date one time with a Maltese girl and I kept saying, you know what I'm saying? And she kept going, yes, I know what you are saying. She couldn't <laughs> figure out why I kept doing it. But yeah, anyway, uh, like, and a lot of guys who make a lot of money at cash don't really have, like, a great red line. But in a lot of times, like, if you have, like, a great red line, that probably means you're playing against, like, pretty sophisticated players that you're just a little more sophisticated uh, than, which means, like, you're a fantastic player. You're probably a better player than a lot of guys who are making more money than you. But that doesn't really mean much because we keep scoring money in this game. So... I, it, red line's one of those things that people really worry a lot about, and I wouldn't... You know, there's certain games you're going to be able to really bluff people, but those games are drying up. It's not yeah. really... You're not going to find that many people. Now, of course, like, you know, there are... You should be launching bluffs, and you should have bluffs, but you want to make sure, like, it, it really made a lot of sense, every bluff you make. But there's a lot of times... I don't play cash like I used to, because... There used to be a lot of bluffs I could do that made a lot of sense because, okay, this guy needs to play with this percentage of his hands, and he's playing with, like, half of that percentage. But the more I've worked on poker, the more I realize those margins are coming closer and closer together with, like, what would be optimal and how close that guy is. Like, even at something like 500 and L. Like, 500 and L, when I started, it was like people just would punt with a flush draw. When I play, like, 500 NL Zoom now, I'm playing, like, I, I was thinking, like, these guys could have played 2550 when I was a kid. These yeah. guys could have played 50, 100, and they probably would have murdered everyone. And, like, they're just perfectly balanced. And if you look at the margins you're pushing in bluffs, they're really small. So, like, if it, having a significant red line would be, like, close to impossible in those games. So, But if you go to, like, smaller websites, yeah, you could establish it. But game selection is really what you should be worrying about more you know i i mean this this is going to sound more shady but like opening bank accounts where other people wouldn't be in games that you could trying to get into games other people aren't in let's keep it at that you yeah. know what i mean and it, like just keep it at that if you can learn how to do that that's that's really like 80 percent of the money that's like that's very that's a very small percentage of your overall strategy but it might account for it might account for like 70 or 80% of your profits by the end of the month. So that's really what you should be focusing on because I think you could uh expend ex- expend a lot of work on trying to improve your red line. I don't think it's going to end up being much in your bottom line by the end. I've never really worried about that in my life. And if you really want to I've studied it pretty extensively, but I haven't worried about it. If you want to go to, there was a Deuce's Crack series called The Thin Red Line. That was fantastic. And by the way, I work for, uh, I, I work for another training site. So if I'm recommending another training site, it must have been pretty damn good. So it, it's, but you got to diversify and take all the education in you can. That's that's what makes you better. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I would worry about getting in better games where you don't need a red line because they're just feeding you chips whenever you do have a hand. Yeah. That's it. It's, it reminds me of, like, playing these private games where it's just rich business, you know, playing. They're not folding. Yeah. 
they're not know, so yeah why, there is why, why no, there is want? no red line it's like you just wait get the nuts and people used to want oh, i want to play against better players and all that nonsense you know it's like yeah, why? you want you want to play against these guys and sit and get the nuts and let them put it in you know like, and also the other thing is with a lot of tournaments these turbos and stuff it is all going to show down yeah, it's, that's true. It's, that's true. It's, it's never going to happen. Small yeah. stacks. It's never going to happen. Like you say, you're you're not getting folds. It's like people have got too much equity, and it's going in. You know, for for whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think what you said. It really depends. I think it's more in cash, deep stack cash games. It, it's probably a thing that people would mm-hmm. even look at more. Would look at it more. And uh, expanding on that point, I I remember when I was in Europe and I was doing really well in cash and people were like, what are you doing differently? And I was like, I'm playing nine, seven, like back in 2007, like people just threw money in. Like there were literally times like a guy would throw a brick of cash and go, I haven't looked at my cards and stuff. Like I'm not going to be able to bluff that guy. That's just not how it's going to work. And when I went to South Korea was the exact same damn thing. They thought it was Bakadot or they thought it was, you know, they it, they thought it was just another table game, and you were supposed yeah. to haul down all the way to the river. Those were the best games in the world, but I bet my red line wasn't anything. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Put it in and see all five cards. I want to see all five cards. I've yeah. heard that so many, so many times in live cash games. You know? Yep, yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it depends, I suppose, what games you're playing and stuff like that, Chris. Well, hopefully that's answered the question. Uh, next question is from Josh. Hi, I play online semi-professionally. Should I make it a priority to be in the Sunday Million or at least one major each week, just in terms of giving me at least the chance of a huge score? And the field in these tournaments is usually really poor. Yeah, uh, one thing on that last question, a lot of guys have written me saying they love the book recommendations. One is called the 80-20 rule. It's about, like, focusing on the few things, like the 5 or 10 or 20% of your business that makes, like, 80, 90% of your profits. It's incredible. It'll really open your eyes as far as, like, making money. And that goes back to what we were talking in that last question. Should you – I don't think you should be worried about playing the Sunday Million every week. Because I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I went from – I used to never play Sundays. Like, when I went from my – the deposit of zero dollars are essentially my buddy let me play on it his account i made 30 bucks and then i grew everything out of that and went from you know living in a garage with no heating or plumbing to you know living in like the the high-rise condo in seattle and all that i don't think i played a sunday like and a lot of people don't believe me when i tell them that but i was like i just never felt like playing on sunday the fields were huge and yeah. it, it was uh, it was a long shot, and you know everybody had laughed at me when I started because I was like you know I'd have like a thousand dollars and I'd be playing five dollars sit and goes, which back in two thousand six was laughable. But I just I thought well here's a way to steadily build money, and I never had that in my life, and I built up to a really considerable sum, like not really playing higher than fifty dollar tournaments, and. Uh, I, I, I didn't start playing Sundays until finally a guy wanted to back me in live tournaments and then he wanted some of my live action. He put me into Sundays and then my life started. Then it was like, whoa, like this is tough now. <laughs> you know, it, your variance is up and down. You run up your makeup or your downswings. 
a lot more. If you want to play like one a week and it's not that far outside, of, like if your average buy-in is like $80, yeah, go ahead and play one Sunday million. But if your average buy-in is like $20, that's like, that's like 10 buy-ins. That's like, that's like consolidating an entire morning of your buy-ins or a couple hours or whatever into one tournament. That's a bit risky. And I mean, the chances of you... By the way, I final tabled the Sunday Million when I was 21. I was not ready for it. And I was probably way further ahead than you are right now. And there's nothing worse than final tabling a huge major. And, like, I didn't get much money from it because I had been playing so many majors to get to that point. And, like, the money I got wasn't that much. And the feeling of, like, botching it at one of those yeah. big final tables because I hadn't practiced up to that point was horrible. And, like, I was really second-guessing myself for a long time, and it really, you know, it, it, it helped my development that I got to play with better players faster when I was younger, but it also, it stunted my financial growth because, you know, I was going up and down. I was always stressed. I think you can move up, you know, keep 200, 300 buy-ins in your role and realize there's, like, no risk of ruin if you do that. And you can take a shot, like, once in a while, but... Or you can do the party budget like we talked about on the last podcast. You know, take 5% of your profits and have fun every month. You know, play like those little satellites. Play those, uh, are you getting feedback? Are you hearing that? No. Oh, okay, no. good, good. As long as it's on my end. But yeah, play those little satellites to bigger live satellites. Play the Sunday Million. You know, have fun with it. When it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, I think if you... You gotta really love to grind up. You gotta love like grinding. You know, listen to music, have fun. If you want to play more tables, this is the time because later on you're gonna have to four table and really think through every decision. You can't really have music on as much. You know what I mean? So have fun with your grind up right now. Don't worry so much about the big buy-ins. Like everybody who focuses on that crap ends up burning out. Yeah, I would say as well when I started playing, you know, professional constant volume of the you know, the 180 man's on stars and stuff like that. When it came to a Sunday, I didn't want to play for the exact same reasons you said. It was like massive fields that were going to take hours. And, you know, and you just look at it going, and you start to know too much about the math in terms of your actual chance in that tournament, you know? Mm. And you just feel like going, like you say, $215 or whatever. It was like, yeah, that's like, you know, 10 buy-ins or, you know, for a normal, you're like, no, fuck that. You know, I'm not even <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not going to donate this week, you know. <laughs> it's like, you'd probably be better taking out the 200 dollars and buying yourself something nice, like to show for your, for your grind or something like that. Like you say, I wouldn't set out to play the Sunday Million every week if I was, you know. But then again, the guy's just semi-professionally, so maybe he's he's got money and whatever and he's not going to miss miss it. I suppose it depends on your circumstances, really. Yeah, if he, if he could replenish his bankroll really quickly, that's a really good point. And yeah, sure, take the shot. If you want to start playing professionally, though, you better get out of the habit of taking shots. And if you write me at assassinautocoaching at gmail.com and put you on my non-professional mailing list, I soon have an article coming out about taking shots that you could read, because this is something that really is going to be out there for a lot. And, I, I well, I mean, the big thing is, is, like, it really stunts your growth because, like, if you take a shot and you get really deep in that tournament, and, uh, I mean, the adrenaline you're going to feel from that is so significant, it's going to be really hard to go back 
to the day-to-day grind. And you see a yeah. lot of young guys with a lot of potential, like, hop into the big tournaments before they're ready. And it's like, I don't think I was ready for big tournaments till like, a few years back. I wasn't ready during the t- 2012 PCA. I played fine. I think I deserved to make that final table. I wasn't, but I wasn't surprised I didn't make that final table because I wasn't that good back then. Like, I mean, I was... I could handle myself, but that doesn't, you know, being able to handle yourself does not mean mastery, does not mean you should feel good in these tournaments, you know what I mean? Now, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you're not going to learn how to play these tournaments without playing them. You're not going to learn how to play the guitar by reading a book about it. So you do have to get in at some point, but you should make it, you know, a very small percentage of your portfolio slash bankroll, 5 10%. And... Yeah, if you got some recreational money on the side and you're like, hey, I don't want to go out drinking a couple nights this week. I'd rather play the Sunday Million. Fine, but remember, keep it separate. You know what I mean? Keep it really separate than what you're doing online. And remember, this is you're supposed to lose the money. If you go deep, that's normal. Treat it like going to a rock concert. It's going to be different than your day-to-day. Yeah, that's it. And uh, good luck, you know, uh, fighting through how many thousand players it is now as well. <laughs> By the way, I sound 55 years old when I say those words, rock concert. But, yeah, rock yeah, concert. Yeah, rock. If you're going to go to, you're gonna go, you know, not going to go to a pop concert or a, or, or, or a discotheque at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Okay, the next question is from Martin. Uh Hi, I mainly play life cash games. I dabble online, but never really have the patience for it. I'm grinding out a decent win rate at the local cash games in my casino, but I feel I'm sort of treading water as I'm playing the largest level available to me locally, uh, two to five pounds, sometimes five ten pounds. Any advice on how I can take the next step in my poker career and move on or up? Well, that's a... Uh, you're more all right. I mean, this is how it used to be done. You know what I mean? That was, uh, yeah. You take all your money to the biggest game and you see if you can run it up. But a lot of the guys who ran it up, you know, you don't get that many hands in live poker, so you probably find yourself deviating toward like a very high variance style because that's your only way to get out. And you should never be playing a game because you're trying to get out. You know what I mean? It kind of sounds like you want to get out. It sounds like, how do I move up or how do I process this? That doesn't really, if you're not comfortable in the game, you're not going to play your best. When you see that big bluff opportunity, when you feel like you have to make a big call down, it's just not going to be there. And that's a pretty substantial percentage of your money in No Limit Hold'em. That's really where your real edge is. A lot of people can combine the equity on a lot of different uh, communatronics or whatever the hell CTS called it. And you got to... I would really recommend seeking out smaller games. It's really hard with you not on... Like, there are guys who come up in live, but you have to really be, you know, you have to be much more of a leather ass, you know what I mean? Like, in you could get in as many hands online in an hour as you'd be getting in 16 hours at your casino, which is not to say you shouldn't. That doesn't mean those hands are going to be as quality. You might be getting a lot more from each hand. But it's still it's a very hard thing to get over. So if you can't play online, I, 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 that's really tough. But I would say try to get more out of your live hands. And I would say find a smaller game, you know what I mean? Again, with table selection, I, are you a social person in the games? I wasn't 
really a social person in games for a long time and it really hurt me but just by like trying to make friends with people you start hearing about private games you know and usually people when they play like their private games they're trying to invite people who can't play two pound five pound or what is that forty dollars eighty dollars or whatever it is now and they're <laughs> no, it's, not, it's about uh two pound five pound is about like a sort of five close, ten, right? to, close to five ten yeah close yeah to that's five, uh ten. that's pretty high stakes like yeah. that uh, that's uh I know a lot of. I know I'm supposed to be the big bad professional poker player, but I still, I sit down with a couple thousand dollars. That's a couple thousand dollars, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's also saying five to ten pounds. I mean, that that plays close to like ten twenty. That's especially, a big game, especially in live games when people are straddling and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. like twenty forty, you know. It's, it's yeah. There you go. You got a real. Big. That's a big game. Yeah, and it, it, we we should first be grateful you have this experience, you know what I mean? You've played bigger games and you've, like, held your own. You've treaded water. But treading water in the Boston Marathon with amazing runners is still, like, means you can kick the crap out of any local circuit race. You know what I mean? I've been reading Jack Welch's book, When Running Was Young and So Were We. That was the only reason that came to my mind. But, yeah, my the guy who writes my blog with me, he released a book you should all look it up it's great but anyway yeah i mean you got to find smaller games you got to go to like me and my friend used to be in the car for two hours i didn't like it but you know we'd have to the main games in seattle like the 200 hundred dollar buy-ins when i was like 16 years old was like too much for me i mean 200 dollars to a 16 year old i mean holy crap that's like five video games you know what i mean yeah. like i can't <laughs> i can't risk that if i lose two buy-ins that's 10 video games in a night that's more video games than i have you know so we would go to Tacoma, or we would go to, I, this is going to mean nothing to anyone else, but we would go to these, like, really crap games in the middle. Like, we played in the back of breweries and sex shops and crap like that because those were the smaller games and those were the weaker players. And slowly but surely, $100 here, $100 there, we built up the bankroll to play the bigger games. You know what I mean? And then it, there's a lot of guys, you can, you've treaded water in, like, what sounds like a pretty difficult game, you you can check out homepokergames.com, I think still has something up. There I know I, I definitely found some games in some pretty weird countries there, just like for shits and giggles I'd call the person. There'd be some great games. But most of the time you're gonna roll snake eyes on that one. But you gotta be social with people, you gotta find private games. And if you hear about a card room in another room, you gotta drive out there and see it sometime. You know what I mean? And if you're really going to do the live grind, though, too, you've got to love poker, like, with everything you have. You, yeah. have, to, you have to really love poker. And you've got you to gotta love – this is something that was interesting to me. I never thought of this in this way, but I read this in Jack Welch's book. He was interviewing Phil Knight, I think is the guy's name, the guy who created Nike. Yeah. And, and they were talking about c- competition, right? And he, wasn't, he was an athlete, but he didn't do that well. And they were like, how did you have this passion for athletics? And how did you build this multi-billion dollar company out of that? And he was like, well, the best thing in competition is winning. The second best thing is losing. If you really love poker, you're going to have to cherish those nights you go out there and you strike out. You're going to, and I mean, there's a lot of them. I came up in the live circuit. There was a lot of times I'd be playing for thousands of dollars and then I'd be like, I had like $14 in my pocket. I'd spend it on like a beer and like a, bu- a cup of noodles and just going, what the fuck am I doing with my life? You know, like sitting out on a curb and just like looking. But, you know, you got to look at the city and you got to realize there's never been a time in life 
there's never been a time in human history where this many people make money on a game. And if you learn how to play live poker, you can make money anywhere there's a live poker game spread on Earth, which is starting to look like most of the world. I think there's... I, I just read there's, like, poker in Afghanistan or Iran or something like that recently. Wow. And it's like, yeah, and I mean, th- those are areas I thought there would never... And, like, uh, I heard about, like, poker tournaments in Egypt recently... And it's like, you know, if it's getting into the Middle East where, like, their religion says it's haram or whatever, I can't remember the word, like, it's sin, it's going to be everywhere. And you see it, it just came into South Africa, and it's all over South America, China, all that. You can travel the world playing these games, but you've got to realize, like, it's just like anything else in life. This could take five, ten years before you do anything. I think Doyle Brunson was in his 30s when he really started doing well in poker, you know what I mean? And I played... I played live poker for years, and it's pretty fruitless. So you gotta love the grind up. You gotta find like good games, not expensive games, good games, and you gotta get more out of each hand. Learn how to use Flopzilla. When you're playing live, you gotta write down, like write down the details of every hand, and like go home and like try to count the combinations of each hand. Each hand, learn the pot odds and stuff like that, and learn how to compute whether or not it was the correct call. Learn how to do it. The learn, learn how to do it through basic algebra. If you can do that, that's going to put you way ahead of everybody, like way ahead of 99.9% of poker players. And if you confuse that with logic, that's going to put you even further ahead. But it's a lot of work, and you've got to love the grind up. You've got to love, you know, if you're going to do it live, you're going to have to love the grind up. That's how, that's how it is. Yeah, I also think I think you touched on it. There's nothing wrong with treading water in these games. I mean, they're, they're big games live. You know, right, right. That. You must be grinding out like a decent, you know, a decent chunk of change. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, sust- there you go. Sustainably, if you are treading water in it, so you know, maybe maybe he's looking for something like play a play a live event in the casino or you know, play a tournament or something like that. Although I, I know a lot of live cash game players just laugh at tournaments and stuff. Yeah, for good but, reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe something like that to give you that. I think everybody, a couple of these questions have touched on it. It's, it's like what you say about taking shots and you're writing an article or a way to release an article on it. I think it's something and everybody, no matter what they're doing, they want to go, you know, right. You know, I'd, I'd imagine that people that are doing really well and they've won big tournaments and they probably look and you know they're. I want to play one drop. You know that's the, that's that's yeah. their thing. Or you no, know, everybody wants to go to this next thing. Um, when you know, like you say, if you're doing well consistently in a game, then it's it's not too bad. I mean, this is a game of cards, and if you're just making money from it consistently like that, I think you've got to be, you know, content. Maybe maybe content's the wrong word, but happy with it. Don't beat yourself up for treading water in like life. 5, 10, 10, 20 games, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. And yet, uh, I mean, I don't know, something you said seemed really important to me. I could, I have never thought of once in my life if I will ever play the one drop. Like, yeah. if it happens, it would happen. That'd be fine. But I really doubt it. And that's yeah. fine, you know what I mean? Because, like, if I were a mediocre tennis pro, I wouldn't make a dollar. But if I'm a mediocre poker player... If I game select and do all this stuff, you can, you can buy houses in different parts of the world. You can currency leverage. You can travel the world. I've yeah. never felt, until recently, I've never really felt that far ahead of my peers. And you can still do really well. And most of the guys I know who have built real wealth and get to do a lot of 
of the fun things a lot of people pretend they do on their Facebook, they're, they really grind it out. You know what I mean? It's a lot of like day-to-day stuff. It's a lot of, you know, focusing on you got to make you got to make that day count. You know what I mean? It's really got to be about that day. Like this day like what are what's a couple things I could do that would be really value intensive? And one of those answers to that question is not going to be oh gee, I wish I could play the one drop. I'm going to go throw in some money in a game <laughs> I'm not I'm not prepared for. But one thing might be hey, I speak a language a lot of people don't speak. I'm going to get really established in the only forum in my country. And then when people are looking for poker advice in my language, maybe I could be the guy. I know one guy who did this in an Eastern European country, and he was the only guy posting. He was the only guy getting involved. They all like, oh, you need to be grinding. You know, He grinded a lot, but he really wanted to be involved. He knew it was like a value-added thing. He's now the announcer for like their poker tour over there he's making side income because he realized that was something you know it's a very small time investment just going over a few hands each day making sure he used correct grammar making sure he had some ideas he took courses in english from me and from other coaches so he could bring ideas from another language into his language and you know those were things he focused each day on like just one or a couple things he could really improve. Now he's making a nice side income. Now he's doing all right. You know what I mean? And he's doing much better in poker. So that, that's what I would have you guys focus on. Sorry. At, at least once in every one of these episodes, I have to get really philosophical and like high on my horse and tell you guys like, this is how you're going to live your life. But this took me so long to learn. It bears repeating. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, people, you know, there's always little angles to play and stuff like that, you know, with with whatever you're doing. And people think, oh, well, I can't do that, but I'm sure there's something else they can do as well. You know, you just, just need to find it. Mm. Um, the, the next one is from George. It's actually written like Portuguese, uh, George, or Jorg, is uh, it? Uh, yeah, Jorge. It is George in, uh, yeah. we'll in uh, Portuguese, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in your mind, who is the best online player you have played with and why? Same question is for live players. And also, are they role models for you or do you try to take parts from their games? Many thanks. Oh, that's a, wow, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, there's a big difference between who is the best player and who's the guy I've had the most problems with. When I play, like, in my mind, Mormon 1 is the best. And by the way, me saying a British person is the best online player hurts my soul. So you should really take this seriously. I'm just kidding. But I tease British people a lot. But anyway, no, Mormon 1 is the best. Like, he is the best. I don't know anyone with a fire like his. I don't know anyone who goes as hard and as long and as much as that guy. And he just puts in work every day. And he never... You know, he never stops. Now, that being said, when him and I play, and I think he would admit this too, we're not, like, getting huge edges on each other. You know what I mean? So I think his strategy is, like, I think he knows how to get a lot of money out of a basic empty tier. But when he comes up against a guy who's done a lot of studying, he realizes if I put a ton of work into this, I'm still not going to make that much money. So he doesn't even bother. He just boots up another table and wins another tournament. And, you know, his 23rd triple crown. The guy who's like, the guy I've had the most problems with online. Wow. That's a tough one. There was a time like big honey. 
I really had some problems with. Like, I don't know what – he had this time – he, like, he just was in a zone where it was like everything I tried went against me. Like, just nothing worked. You know what I mean? And I that almost never happens to me. Now, I don't know if he was running good or not, but I definitely think – Versus other regs, I think he has a really good way of anticipating, but he's also, uh, to put this, it, it, he's a little temperamental, is what I would guess. I think he, uh, there's times he plays like lights out, and there's other times I think he's playing too many tables. So it's kind of hard to give him the top spot. Uh, I haven't, Cal 42688 plays really, really well, but I haven't, uh, Oh, it's gotta it's gotta be Philbort. Philbort's the guy. Philbort's the guy who like he'll make you cry. Like if you study, like he's just so fucking far ahead. Like he's just like those glimpses you get. Like Cal four two six eight eight and Big Honey like play fantastic poker against like average players and fantastic poker against, like, amazing players. And to be fair, Mormon One plays fantastic poker versus everyone. I just, I don't know. I've had sometimes Big Honey's done some things that are just spooky. You know what I mean? And I can't really reach back into my memory and bring out something like that with Mormon. Uh, but, like, Philbert, like, everything you do is wrong. Like, no matter what you do, it's just wrong. And, like, not only that, but I've seen, like, the entire table break around him. Like, I've seen guys that I consider, like, really high level just break trying to play against him. And the weirdest thing is it's like playing, it's like Phil Jackson. Like, it doesn't even seem like he's doing much of anything, yet you just can never get a handle on it. It's just like he's elusive, and he doesn't, his stats don't really tell you anything. The way he plays doesn't tell you anything. His timing tells don't tell you anything. And I can find anything. There's a lot of guys, people go like, this guy is an amazing player. And I go, bullshit. Let me show you his stats. There's a really... There's a really obvious defense against him. Just most people don't get it. And most of these guys, like, you can't look at a Mormon or a Big Honey and look at their, uh, or a Cal 42688 and look at their stats and find, like, something they're doing, like, or Flush Entity. Flush Entity plays really lights out, too. And you can't, like, look at them and find, like, a blatant error. But there's a lot of guys who, if you know how to dig through statistics, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. Like, you can't do that with Philbort. And then after that, you have to move the timing tells and game flow and stuff. And I can pick things up occasionally on not really Mormon, but like Big Honey uh, and uh, maybe Flush Entity sometimes. And there's a, you know, and there's this big category of guys. Like, I'm not doing this justice. There's probably like 20 guys. Like, Naza 114, I don't ever get like a terrific feel on. But at the same time, I know he doesn't really care to play. He doesn't try to outplay me, like, ever, so it's kind of hard to give him one of those really tough spots. You know, he just goes... That's one of those things. Nazem might be, like, the most mature player I know, but he... When he steals from you, you don't know it because he set it up, you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, there's a lot of guys like me who do, like, really flashy crap that a lot of people love to watch, and, and uh, but, you know, we, that might mean you're doing it a little too much, but like Philboard, I can't, I can't like figure out, like I've never figured it out. It's really tough to play against him. And live, uh, 
Carlos Mortensen was really formidable live. Like, I definitely did not like he just, to... he just looks a good player, doesn't he? Yeah, he just, just yeah, never. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of times I can get a feel for if a guy's nervous or not, and it's just it, no fucking chance with him. You know what I mean? Like, nothing, no micro expressions, nothing. Yeah, he looks like the player. He looks like the dude. You know what I mean? And then there's a. I'm trying to think of another. Like, Carlos Mortensen was the guy who really came into my mind but there's like a lot of these dudes are so normal is what is what boggles my mind like when i play with some of my heroes and i think like oh this is going to be crazy and it's like nope like, you know, they're just you know they're just regular people they just keep their crap together you know what i mean they don't really i'm trying to think who i'm trying i don't play as much live as i used to that's kind of uh that's david chu is super underrated that's a dude who can play. That is a fucking live grinder who drives me nuts. And he's antagonistic. Nobody ever talks about that. Like, he knows how to fuck with you. Like, he, like, he just kicked my ass up and down in the main event, right? And, like, it was one of those guys, like, I know he's got to have leaks, and I'm sure if I sat there for a few days, I'd figure it out, but I sure shit didn't know it right then. You know what I mean? And he just, he rubs it into you. Like, he's... You can tell he's like, and then he's, you can tell he's not really a bad guy. He just finds these subtle ways to mess with you that are really, uh, that that are really tough to deal with. And there was, yeah, those are, and as far as role models, I don't know. I think, I think the second, I think the second you start putting them ahead of you, you think you can't beat them. You know what I mean? Now that doesn't mean... There's definitely guys I recognize, like, this is a better player than I am. You know what I mean? This is, a, this is a guy who's better than me, and he probably always will be. But that doesn't mean I can't beat him any day. You know what I mean? This, yeah. isn't, this isn't a sport. And there's a, there are days people have a bad day. You know what I mean? There are people who show up, and they're just not having a good day. And you can take them on that day. You can stay away from them when they're playing good, and you can go after them when they're playing bad. And you've got to... It, you know, and there's things you can, you have to have, the other thing is like, okay, you want to take from the best players' games. The, you might have, like, let's say there's a hundred, here's a, there's like a thousand poker s- skills in the world. You have 997 of them, right? Well, Patrick Antonius might have 995, but, uh, you know what I mean? I mean, you have nine. Excuse me, I did that backwards. Nine hundred ninety-five. Patrick Antonius might have nine hundred ninety-seven, but uh, the ones you're missing, he compensates for as well. You know what I mean? He's not uh, he's not proficient in them as well. He's just much better at the ones you already have. So there might be a guy playing one-two at the Flamingo. You can learn from one of my best plays I ever learned was from a really bad online reg, and it was just he. Uh, he did an overbet in a weird spot with he had the hand. He should have been bluffing. But I was like, oh, that's so dumb. But if I, was, if I had role models and put certain people ahead of me that I was trying to take from, I might not be as ready to learn from this guy. So it's really hard to put a finger on it. The other thing, the, the thing you've got to remember is they're all just people. I know a lot of, like, I get to work with a lot of, like, the best players. They, they're really insecure. A lot of them are idiots. Like, a lot, a lot of them are, and they might be terrific poker players. They're just really not intelligent people when it comes to other areas. And there's other people who are super, 
complete people, but they have their insecurities too, and they put their socks on one at a time. You know, they're all just people, and you can't think of them as like nitrogen in their veins. But yeah, you should be watch your watch your favorite players, like try to learn from them, but don't put them any further ahead than you. They've probably been in this a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's all the questions. Um, I think we're going to just talk a little bit about it's 18th of June as we record this. Um, when are you heading out to Vegas, Alex? I'm heading to Vegas the 29th. I'll be 29th. there the 30th, yep. And so, and how long you booked out there for? Two weeks. Doing some battles. I mean, doing a battle. And, yeah, so let's I, just let's talk about your, your Vegas plans then and what, what you're going into Vegas thinking and hoping for. It's, do you, have you followed any coverage? Do you still get a little buzz that you're going to play the main event? And just just take us through your sort of your Vegas trip and your hopes and dreams for it. <laughs> Man, that's a that's a really good question. That's a that's from Barry Chalmers. He's emailed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man, this guy's a great interview. The, whoever this dude is, yeah. No, I mean, I get a rush playing the main event, but it's more the process. You know what I mean? It's more getting a lot of chips being with some people who probably don't always play a 10K, being able to pick up on some points. But the idea of making a lot of money from poker still doesn't quite get into my head. It's kind of the money. The money is kind of just out there. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, man, I'd really love to win that. But you, your chances are so infinitesimal. You're going to be really... Uh, you're going to be really disappointed most of the time you play if that's what you're thinking about. But I'm really excited just about playing poker and playing live and trying to make some plays and trying to, you know, hone my craft. And I think that's really what gets you ahead, you know what I mean? Because every day you can hone your craft. You can't make money every day. So, yeah, I'm super psyched to play the main and the Venetian 5K. And even, you know, these small tournaments like Golden Nugget has a it has like a 1K. I think I'm going to go play that. Just because uh-huh. I want to go to old Las Vegas and you know get eat yeah. the eat the forty nine cent sushi and go you know my health <laughs> hold one time yeah. you know but like you know I mean you gotta I'm really enjoying just like going out there and just I want to attack you know what I mean I really want to I love like getting deep in tournaments like I I don't talk much when I play live which I but like at the PCA I was like I'm gonna be irritating man I'm gonna be in people's faces this year and like I really I got under some people's skin. A lot of people I felt like I just had more fun with, and both were fine. You know what I mean? It was really fun to be on the tack most of the game and uh, feeling one step ahead of everyone and being in the process and knowing what, knowing that I've worked really hard to know what I'm doing in each of these hands and not really feeling insecure for, like, the first time ever. So, yeah, I'm really psyched about that. I'm really psyched about, uh, well, I guess this battle. I mean, it's still... <laughs> It's still kind of weird to me. It's like, yeah, I'm going out to the Las Vegas to play the main event battle the Soros. You know what I mean? It's like, well, like when I was a kid, I used to like watch, you know, like the only time you could, the only way I could download the EPT was I, I could only, I, I downloaded it with German uh, dubbing. And so like I watched a bunch of EPT season one with like German dubbing. And then, you know, I'd watch Iron Solomon and the Soros and a lot of the old school guys in, like, juice, like, battle, I was like, man, that would be crazy, man, to be at any of these, you know what I mean? To yeah. do any of this, just to compete, so, like, yeah, I'm really, 
I'm really it, it's kind of weird with the source and I because you know we bluff like kind of threw it out as an idea of like oh this would be cool and we both said yeah all right you know that that's that sounds fun you know what I mean I don't think we took it as a super serious thing but we're gonna try to make it serious serious enough for the fans to really enjoy it you know it's kind of kind of doing something for them sorry were so, you trying to say something yeah, yeah no I was just making the noise of a snake I was just <laughs> <laughs> uh, no so uh. Bluff, are they going to film this? Yeah, they're going to film it. The problem being, we didn't really anticipate this, but you gotta, you got to get permission from Caesars. you got to get permission from Rio. You know what I mean? Because obviously this is going to be an obstruction, you know what I mean, to whatever this yeah. is doing. And then it's like, yeah, well, what do you guys want to do? Well, two grown men would like to say fuck you to each other over 30 minutes. And yeah. really, you, you need people for this. So Bluff is pretty committed to this uh, uh, one of the guys who's making it happen is a pretty big, not a huge battle rap fan, but, you know, I got him into it. And Soros is really into it. I'm pretty sure we'll make it happen no matter what. We just want to get it in and have fun. You know what I mean? I'm really looking forward to that. I'm scared shitless, but you know, really... Worst, worst case, you can just film it in a car park somewhere or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's what I was saying. I was like, fuck it. I'll do it in the parking lot. I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'll make it look like the old videos, like when they were in a when they were in parks and shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, shit, the cops, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be, I I just want to make it happen. You know, that'd probably be better for me if it happened in a parking lot, you know what I mean? Because, like, if it's, like, some big grand stage and, like, I go up there and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, it's like, oh, all right, all right, cool, kid. Thanks for making everybody come out here. But, no, I mean, it's really just going to be fun. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that and, you know, playing and what what the hell else do I do out in Vegas? I want to see the Pinball Hall of Fame because I really like pinball. Like, I, I play pinball a lot. Like, uh, that sounds really stupid, but, like, they have, like, 500 machines and all that. But, yeah, just getting it in, man. I want to, I want to compete. You know what I mean? I don't even give a shit if I lose at this point. I have money. I just, want to, I just want to get in there. I just, I don't know. It's like something a lot of men feel dead. Like, a lot of men feel really dead. You know what I mean? And they go into their cubicles and they, they get fatter. You know what I mean? Every week. My friend just started working at a, a company that might be Amazon. And uh, he, he was talking about, you know, like all of his coworkers are fat as fuck. You know what I mean? And he was like, and I, and he was like I, I don't get it. You know what I mean? A lot of these people like just give up their fight and they give up their drive and, you know, like keeping their body tight, keeping their mind right, educating themselves. And I think men need that. You know what I mean? Men really need to compete. That's why even if you're in business or something, like a lot of men, I know a lot of guys who make a ton of money, like tons of money, like millionaires and stuff. And it'll be like, hey, you know, like some jackass will be like, what amazing Michelin restaurant are we going to tonight? And he's like, I'm going to AMPM. I'm going to get a hot dog. You know, the guy doesn't give a shit about the money. He just, yeah. he just wants to compete. You know, I'm really, I'm really blessed to be able to go out to compete there, not only in like poker where it's all about holding in your emotions and tricking people slowly over days and days, but this like explosion of like, you know, like I get to show as much emotion as I want. I get to come out there and just throw down, you know what I mean? And get as fucking pissed as I've ever been in my life and do it, you know, in front of an industry that's honestly been needing some different words for a little while. I don't know how to put this, but you know, to like go up in front of my industry and actually have like a podium and speak and, you know, be able to have fun, you know, have fun with it, provide something for the fans that, you know, take care of me so graciously. 
I mean, this is one of those fun things I thought never would happen. Like, the source battling a poker player it never even occurred to me. I could be the dude, and I just feel real blessed. Like, he would even give me the shot. So I just want to, you know, even if I fuck up, I don't care. Even if I lose, I don't care. I just want to go up there and, like, compete, you know what I mean? I want to I wanna get it in. That's what. That's all that. That's, that, that's what's up with me. That's what I'm into. So you're going to give us a sweat in the main event this year. You you're know, gonna promise. You're gonna you promise know. that. Yeah, exactly. Can, can, can you promise that? Yeah. I, I promise. I promise unequivocally. I will yeah. be in my seat for at least that first hand. That's I, it. I, That's it. I, I think you're gonna do. I know it's not statistically provable, and you know, I think you're gonna do well. I appreciate that, feeling. man. I do. I, I've got a feeling. Much love, man. I appreciate that's, that. That's what people, that's what Fish down at the casino used to say when I play live. It was like, <laughs> I, 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 had a, I had a feeling. That's why I called Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> no, but I, I really feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah, you shouldn't put expectations on it because poker is a strange game. But my yeah, life. Yeah, but my no, life, I think you, yeah, I do. I think now's the time. November yeah, 9th. November nine or don't bother coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. I just, I, I just want to get you more promo, man. That's all. That's yeah. all I care about. See, so you, you threw, you threw me a shot. You know what I mean. You, you, you're, you're like interview guests. When you invited me on, it was like, I, 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 I'm gonna get the names wrong, but it was like Howard Letter, Phil Howmuth, Jungle Man. And then, like, Alex Fitzgerald. And I was like, the what? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, cool, but all right. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to get you some shine, get, give this podcast some love, you know what I mean? Because I like this project we're doing. And, yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing now is, like, when I go out and play, you know, it's not. It's for my whole team. It's for all the people I work with. It's for all my, all my fans who've done so much for me, you know what I mean? Like, get, getting to, like, have such a – fun life and get to do these things and a lot of these guys help me pay for all this stuff and you know they could steal my shit like easily you know what i mean but people like come out and do the noble thing and pay for it you know what i mean they always offer words of encouragement i encounter like a hundred cool people to every asshole and it's like it's so motivating you know what i mean i just and that's why i don't know my last pca was profitable my last wsop was profitable my last scoop was profitable and I like I really feel in the zone, you know what I mean? And shuffling like uh what's his name? Brad Gilbert when he used to play tennis, you know what I mean? Just even if they throw you crap, you throw crap back. Like you're just always in the game regardless of your talent level. You yeah, know what I, I mean? I think when you're in that uh, state of mind as well, people that are criticizing or, you know, whatever and I hate the word haters, I hate saying that. It sounds yeah, like the yeah. more important than you are, but you know, people that are criticizing and like doom mongers you know like that um when they do stuff i think when you're in that frame of mind it really doesn't bother you you know when you are sort of content and you're happy with what you're doing i think it's when things are going bad and then people start to criticize i think it's harder to sort of keep it oh yeah you you get more defensive you know when things are going bad you know but when things are going well for you and that you it is just water off a duck's back sort of thing. You're just like, oh, whatever. That's you know? a really good topic that honestly could be talked about a lot. It's, and so I'm going to do that. But it's really weird. Yeah, it's weird calling them like haters, but it's like one of my, one of my favorite rappers is like, shout out to my haters, y'all playing a small part. Like, and there's a lot of people that I felt like hated on me, but they helped me. You know what I mean? There was, <laughs> one example that comes to mind is, I saw my EPT Kiev and, and like, I'll, I'll be real with you guys. I was, like, a, you know, like, I smoked a joint, like, every 20 minutes back then when I was, like, 20, 21 years old. And, like, I drank a lot of coffee. 
And you know what I mean? That was my lifestyle in Malta. And then I, I, want, a, I want an entry to uh, EPT Kiev, and I get out there, and I don't know why. I just I didn't buy, I, I, I didn't buy weed. I didn't want to buy weed in Ukraine. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, <laughs> exactly. I, I, I'm still American. I still remember where this place used to be, in, and I remember they don't really like Americans, right? So I don't, I don't want to be dealing with that prison or any of that, right? So I just decide I'm not going to smoke. And, like, I can't eat. Like, I'd never been like that before. I couldn't eat, and I was sweating all the time. So I went deep in that tournament and finished 14th, but I felt like I was going to die the entire time, right? And yeah. I had a real shit attitude. But I played really good. I played, like, I flopped a set and, like, checked it back and, like, called a bet on the turn and called a river bet, and the guy flopped a straight. And there was stuff, there was stuff like that, like, I've never done before in my life, but I was just on that tournament, right? And I ended up finishing 14th. It wasn't fun. But the first time I saw that broadcast, I think they kind of rushed it out with some, you know, you know, they did some kind of coverage, right? And Daniel Negrano was pretty complimentary to me, you know what I mean? And complimentary. And, uh, you know, he was, he was pointing out like I was doing, I, I pulled off a bluff that honestly made me want to crap myself. But, and I, and, uh, and like, it just looked like I was on when really I was probably just running well with my guesses. And the first time, Daniel Negrano was pretty complimentary, but I think, you know, then they had to do like the official announcing or something, whatever episode I saw later, right? Because I wanted to show my girlfriend, my new girlfriend, my now wife, I was like, hey, check this out. I was on TV one time, right? And I thought Daniel Negrano was going to keep talking about, like, how cool I was playing. He was, like, he came down hard on me, and he was just talking about how shit my attitude was, how, how you know, I was like, there was like one time the fish at the table, like, called me with, like, ace high, and he hadn't touched a chip yet, right? But I was playing so damn goofy, like, he probably couldn't have folded, right? And I gave, like, a really disgusted look, and Negrano just went off. He was like, you know, what the fuck did he expect? Obviously, he didn't say fuck. But he was like, what, what do you expect, kid? You know, like, this is how you're playing. And, like, I got all pissy and shit. And it was like, you know, but he's right. You know, I had a really shit attitude, and I deserve that. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, and a lot of, like, guys say shit that's not worthy of anything. But it's like, y'all got to remember. Like, I've had journalists bury me, man. I've had, like, I... I I've had journalists just make up shit about me and bury me, but you got to remember, most people, you got to think back to like how hateful you were when you were working a really bad job, and you got to remember that's how a lot of people feel, right? And sadly, these days we tell people it's this person's fault. You know what I mean? It is the rich person's fault because he takes from you, and it's not really their fault, but like that noise is supposed to be there. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's supposed to be there. And it's like, and by the way, look, watch any guy you think is like the nicest guy you can imagine. Look at his at, look at Twitter. Go to whoever is tweeting at him, right? Do, do a search for like at whatever that dude's name is. The guy's going to be like, hey, I'm chilling with my brother, Ice T, right? And he's an old guy and he doesn't maybe understand the connotation of calling a black guy brother. Two billion people, you are such a racist. It's yeah. like Ice-T who's smiling there and looks like so happy to be with you is probably so offended. You know what I mean? It, I mean, everybody's got a damn opinion now. It's just like, you just got to go, I love you, homie. God loves you. And everybody's like, what? You know, they don't know, they don't know what to do to that. You fight with them. It's like, all right, an idiot's going to drag you down to his level and win with experience. I think, what's his name, said that. What's his name? Old American author. Yeah, I mean, you got to love it all. I mean, you got to yeah. love it all. And eventually... 
there's a lot of good people on this earth. And a, a lot of the good people, if you keep it real, they'll be right there with you. And that's all you've got to focus on. And if you wouldn't want to be friends with the guy in real life anyway, what, what do you give a shit about what he says? Yeah. It's true. It's true. I think social media has got a lot, you know, involved in that as well. It's all this uh, hatred and stuff. Like, everybody quick to jump on people for, like, a, an innocent remark. You know, it's like, oh, it's racist straight away. And this and that. you're, like, going, oh, come on, you know. It's, that, re- that really bothers me because, like... I don't know, man. I've seen real racism. Like, I, I had, when I was in South Korea, I had people on the streets spit at me and tell me, like, I hope your children are born retarded, you know, to me and my, like, uh, uh, to me and my uh, Korean girlfriend at the time. Yeah. In, Ger- in, Ger- in Germany, I hate saying this word, but, like, people call me, uh, no, they call me an N-word lover and mm. stuff like that because my, my, my wife is Middle Eastern. You know what I mean? And they, you know, they, they don't really care for the Turkish people. And, uh, you know what I mean? I, and I'm not going to get into all the different instances. But when I hear somebody like, you know, say like, that's racist. Yeah. And it's like, it's obviously a misunderstanding or an off-color remark. Or it's like, the guy's a comedian. His job is to be the opposite of a politician. He's supposed to make things that are a bit off-color. Obviously, there's a line you have to draw somewhere. But like... Yeah. The thing is, if the other people laughed, you know what I mean, or something, it's it's weird to me because it's like, you belittle what the word racist means. A lot of people don't give a shit about real racism anymore because that's all they hear all day, every day. And there's, yeah, and I, and I, I love it when you go like, hey, this one community is having some problems right now. I wish this could be helped. And it's like, oh, but I know all these great people from this community. It's like, the... I, I can't remember who said this analogy. It's like, hey, man, you got a cavity in one of your teeth. Yes, but look at all these other teeth that are amazing. Well, yeah, but who gives a shit? The tooth is going to be hurting you, you know what I mean? And, like, it, it can be any community. And I, I'm from, like, you know, like, I, I've seen some dumb white people shit, too. Like, we have it, too. Like, no motivation. Blame fucking everybody else for other people's problems. It's like, <laughs> it's, all, it's all right to hop on me about all my shit. But it's like, yeah. you know, if I say, like, hey, what are you doing? It's, oh, you're a racist now. It's like, no, man, that's not, that's not what Martin Luther King was looking for, man. We all had to look at ourselves with the same lens. You know what I mean? It's like, if you want to have a discussion, let's have a discussion, you know? But don't, I, I don't like everybody throwing around racist or homophobe or any of that, you know? It's like, man, okay, if it, it's warranted, it's warranted. But you got to, you're belittling the word and a lot of, you should use that word when it's really warranted, like when you're on some Donald Sterling shit or something like that. You know what I mean? But yeah. Well, that that was a party political broadcast. Yeah. Oneouter dot com. There you go. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, remember and get in touch with questions for Alex next time, political or poker related. Uh, email them to questions at oneouter dot com or tweet one at oneouter dot com. Um, as I said earlier, I will put details of how to get in touch with Alex to get those scoop videos and how to get in touch with him if you require one-on-one coaching from him. Um, I'm sure, I, like myself, I wish uh, you a good World Series, Alex, and uh, a lot of the listeners I know follow you on Facebook and Twitter and stuff as well, and we're hoping you give us uh, you know, some sort of sweat and you can, can go on a little run there. 
and we can all live vicariously through you. <laughs> no, I hope to give you all a sweat, man. Thanks for having me on again. I know I, know I kind of help with this show, too, but it's still, I like how you do all the work and we do a lot of talking here. It's really fun, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. But it's been good. It's been good. This is really fun. Thank to all you. Thank you to every one of you listening. And hey, share this with other people. Tell other people about it. And write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail dot com. I'll send you all the new podcasts, articles, deals on videos, all that good stuff. Hit me up. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. So until next time, uh, see you later. Take care.